We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Bradfoe Show. That's my open? That's what they used to call me. Swivel hit Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradfoe Show. That's delicious. When news breaks, we break it here on the Bradfoe Show. And unfortunately, unfortunately, we have breaking news. Uh, to break that news, the person who has broken many a story here at WEI.com, and may this may be... His last story that he ever breaks for WEI.com. John Tomasi, what, uh, what do you have? What, what do you have for breaking news? I can't even look you in the eye right now. I honestly, I can't even look at you right now. Uh, so this is very sad to report. John Tomasi, I was going to say I'm dying, but that's, <laughs> that's too twisted. I am not dying. Uh, I am leaving the mothership of WEI and WEI.com. The ship that I, I didn't help build, because that was you and Alex who helped build it, but I helped maintain. I was like the, the grease monkey who fixed, you know, uh, <laughs> dangling participles and who's in somebody's story. Uh, I am moving on to uh, NBC Sports Boston to cover the Red Sox. I will be a TV uh, superstar, I think is the word that we're looking for. I'm going to be leaving my radio microphone behind for my TV, ra- my, my, my TV microphone and my IFB or whatever that thing is called that I stick in my ear. I'm contractually obligated to wear one of those around everywhere. So I will be uh, heading to NBC. So, but I won't be going far. You'll still hear me on these airwaves, just uh, maybe not for a little bit. Do you feel guilty? I already told you I can't look at you. I can't look you in the eye. I feel like I, this is the ultimate betrayal. And then I should say that when I brought my uh, resignation letter today, Bradfoe tried to rip it in half on the assumption that if I can't turn it in, then I can't leave. But all good things must come to an end. So it was a good run, four years. Well, first off, that is an inaccurate statement because I'm still here. So evidently, this is this good t- good thing is never coming to an end. I am here forever. And my I- run. My run is four years. That's what I meant. Okay. Well, I uh, you're you're ripping up your lifetime contract, which you signed. Uh, how? When was that? Three three years ago? No, I signed it in uh, the end of 2014. I covered the 2014 season for the Herald, and I was here on New Year's Day 2015. So 15, 16, 17, 18, into 19. So four plus years. Okay. So let's take a retrospective look back at the John Tomasi era at WEI.com and, and maybe WEI. First off, uh, you had mentioned that you said on the airwaves. I would imagine you want to get your feet wet at the, the TV thing before you dive uh, headlong into saying, I'm going to commit to three hours of part-time freelance, pay me extra radio uh, here at WEI. But, but there is a scenario which you may appear on these airwaves again. Yeah, I would think, you know, when I start out, since I'll be back on a beat, which I haven't done in a while, uh, I will have to devote most of my time to that just to get back into the swing. Uh, I think 
anyone who's heard me on the morning show knows that I'm not necessarily a morning person. So now that I'm going to be full-time nights on, on TV with lots of responsibilities there up until 11 or midnight, uh, it would be hard to picture being back, say, in the mornings anytime soon. So that'll probably have to wait till after the season. But sure, I mean, pregame show... Some random weekend show. No, I'm just taking this from you. I don't. I don't care about that. Uh, so what do you? Uh, so as I said, I, I do want to do a retrospective of of your time here, but I also don't want to bury the lead of what exactly you're going to be doing over at this place where you've sold yourself, you sold your soul to um, to join. Uh, what are you going to be doing over at the place that used to be Evan Drellick's employer? Yeah, I think the first thing is be pretty. That's obviously what I'm being hired for. You can't be on TV without being pretty. So I think this makes me pretty. So that's that's good. That's a boost for the self-esteem. Uh, I will be doing Evan's job. And uh, hopefully <laughs> something works out for Evan somewhere else. Like maybe somewhere around here. I don't know. Um, but I will, I will be there, you know, Red Sox guy. Doing pregame hits on the field with my microphone like Shelby Scott in the, in the elements. <laughs> and then... Uh, writing columns after every game, and being available for their studio shows. So it'll be not, I mean, the difference between what I did here was here I had a hand in everything. There it will be just Red Sox. Like, that will be my focus. And then maybe in the offseason I might help out with Celtics or something. But that'll be it. Will you wear makeup? Why? <laughs> What's the point? I, I, I don't think, I think makeup is for people who can be saved by makeup, and I'm not sure that I, that I qualify. Uh, the first gauntlet thrown down to your, your co-workers at NBC Sports Boston. So you came here, as you point out, uh, four years ago, or whatever, and from the Boston Herald, you were, and I was tr- trying to remember this, you actually, so you were covering the Red Sox for the Boston Herald as sort of the on-baseball, the, the baseball columnist, you would have to do game and notes on a rare occasion, but you were covering the Red Sox when Alex Spear left us and then we came to you. And I remember that scenario where Alex got this great job at the Globe, perfect job for him, really happy for him. But I remember being in the office, the moment I get off the phone to him, I remember Phil Zachary, who was the GM at the time, going down and said, Alex Spear's leaving, we should hire John Tomasi. And, and Phil Zachary said, yeah, you know, I, I agree. And, and then, you know, then you have to do other things like do fake job interviews and things like that. But, but that was, that was how that we knew that this is the perfect fit. And you really hadn't even done a ton of radio up until that point, right? No, I mean, I had done, well, I had done shows way back when with like Dale and Holly uh, I was I had a couple of sort of memorable call-ins to the big show, Steve Burton show prep, um, nice show prep for Steve Burton, but I had never actually been in studio with the big show. The morning guys, I don't know. I had done like call-ins with the morning guys, but nothing, you know, nothing where I got to spread my wings a little bit politically, which I'm going to miss. Um, so yeah, I hadn't done a ton of radio. And when I got hired here, you remember this, like the way it was written into my contract was... I was going to do one, like, call in a week on the morning show. And this was right when Kirk was in his ascendancy and is like, call-ins are stupid. And so, so like, I think I did one of those and then nothing for what felt like months. I had one sort of sleepy appearance with them at the Super Bowl, the Seahawks Super Bowl, right when Deflategate was going crazy. 
And so I really didn't do, I did a weekend show with Dickerson, the Sunday Sports Roundtable. That was like my first, just the two of us sitting across from each other for, you know, two hours every Sunday. And then like the radio stuff sort of evolved because I have to think back and realize, yeah, it wasn't like I went right on the morning show when I got here. That was like a year plus in uh, before they actually got me doing that. Well, and this was the re- the reality of that situation. We remember it. It was the Deflate Gate stuff was going on. Um, people, you know, th- for whatever reason, they weren't going to go to you as a as a go to for the Deflate Gate. I mean, this is a month after you started at the radio station, and like you said, you you went to uh, the Super Bowl. You did that sleepy appearance, and and I'm guessing I tell people this like in that first year, you probably were on the radio maybe like four times would that be accurate that first year with us well i mean if you take out the sunday so i did i did do most sundays with dickerson but uh, yeah but appearing like and i did like the fifth inning in the pregame show so i was on the red sox broadcasts but in terms of being on monday through friday like yeah maybe three or four times like really not at all and then you know eventually i think my greatness just became too apparent and (laughs) And then, well, that's my point. Is that I think there was a narrative here. Oh, you know, you really got better over there. That's why you also made all these appearances. No, you were always good. And I'm gonna pat myself on the back for identifying the talent that was there. Thank you. I'm patting myself on the back. But it's but a part of that job when we hired you, it was at that time. You remember that time? It was there was more of uh, we need someone who is going to be able to be on the radio a little bit more. Than Alex was, and and I did sense that like Kevin Graham had no idea who you were. He's like, what? He's like, whatever, whatever, whatever. But and I give Phil Zachary a lot of credit for trusting me and trusting. And I know that you also got a, a, some uh, huge recommendations or a huge like sort of email saying this is the right guy from Kirk and Jerry in particular. I think Lou as well. And that, I, I would sense, went a long way, too, to say, hey, this is the guy. Even though you haven't heard a lot of him on the radio, this is the guy. He's going to be a good columnist because, like I said, you weren't a columnist. And as you, you turned out to be an outstanding columnist. Once again, great talent evaluation by myself. And, um, and, and so, but this is, we don't want to have revisionist history from people saying, oh, you know what? He jumped right in and all of a sudden he was in the morning show for the, that first year. Yeah, not at all. And I guess if there's a lesson in whoever you do bring in next, it's like, give them time, you know, because when I got here, I probably, I don't know how I would have done if you just threw me in with Kirk and Jerry uh, right away. But, you know, once people sort of grow into stuff and you give them a chance to find a niche, like I clearly found a niche with Callahan in, in, you know, just the back and forth with the political stuff, but in a way where it could be intelligent. I mean, I guess it could be pretty dumb at times too, but the idea is that we could go back and forth and each of us knew what we were talking about from our respective side. Like that was something that needed to be grown into. So boom sauce. Uh, so you, you went through that first year and, and by the, why you weren't doing, why you weren't doing radio, you were writing a lot for the website. And that was the first time that you had written, not for a newspaper. And so uh, that's what I'm sort of curious about. And I don't know if anyone else will be curious about it, but I'm curious about it. What is the thing, looking back to sort of writing for the internet, that you didn't expect besides more money than the Herald was paying you? But 
writing for this compared to what you had been writing for your entire professional life? Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably the obvious thing, but it was the immediacy. So something happened and I could write it and post it immediately. And I think Callahan has said this before. There are certain people who write well quickly. And I feel like that was always a decent strength of mine, partly just writing on deadline so much for the Herald. And so maybe it's not like the best column like versus somebody who spends 24 hours on it. But there is real value to something happens and we have a story up opining on it an hour later that's valuable and that's something that i never had or didn't really have at the herald because i was still writing for the print edition and i was still using those deadlines and whatever so i'm trying to think of some things like boston losing it's the marathon bid that came down i feel like late at night and i had a column up pretty quickly and it and it got read because it was one of the first things that anyone had written on it you know, a Zarnay, one of the Zarnayevs, when the family, the surviving Zarnayev, when the family came out and said they didn't want him executed, I remember writing what I thought was a pretty good column, and it was fast. I mean, it was up within an hour. And that repeated itself a lot. Uh, and I remember talking to Mark Murphy, the old Herald Sports editor who we both worked for, mm -hmm. and he was saying, you know, one thing I like about your new job is how you're the guy who sort of gets something up there right away when something happens, and it's that immediate reaction. And that's what I probably liked best about the job, you know, like, and eventually I, the, the, you know, I was allowed to write about Gate and stuff like that. And so, you know, when these big stories were happening and you have these constant updates, the ability to, to have something out there right away and stuff that could be reacted to on the radio, I felt like that all sort of fit and meshed together. Was it, were you, when, when you made the move, besides, you know, you make more money going with us, but, you know, there was always, ever since, even when I went to the Herald, oh, what, I remember some of the Eagle Tribune saying, what are you going to the Herald? They're going to fold. It was, just, it was a narrative that we had heard all, all, you know, for years and years upon years. But when you went to do this, was there any sort of, um, what am I doing? Or was it, like, this is, I wish this was an opportunity before? Or, it, because it's still, the Herald can be the Herald, but it's still a newspaper. Where you know we've seen even in your time here we've seen a state of flux. We see at your place that you're going. I mean that is a dramatic example of firing McAdam. We got to get uh, Evan in here. Okay, firing Evan. We got to get uh, Jorge in here now. I don't know what happened to Jorge and then John Tomasi. This is how it works in our business. Was there any trepidation at all? Uh, you're talking about. For this current move or when I came here? Jamie. When I came here, no. Uh, and I distinctly remember that. Like, I was a little bit sort of curious about how the radio would go because I hadn't really done it. But I think the Herald at that point, we had just moved offices. Hank had just left. Hank Hernowitz, the old sports editor. Uh, so there was a lot, of, a lot of stuff was in flux there anyway. And I want to say that that's kind of when we knew the paper was going to be sold. There was a, there was a new level of uncertainty that had been injected into the Herald where it was like, I love it here. This place has been great to me, but it's, I'm ready. I'm ready to move on. So in terms of that, no, I really had, it was not a hard decision to make. M money aside, it was not a hard decision to make because it was, it was time. This one, I will admit, was much harder, you know, because I do feel like I found a niche here. And I remember doing a, a you know, Enough About Me podcast early on where, I asked you afterwards, I'm like, how did I do? Because I was on with Kirk for like more than an hour. 
And you said, good. You said the only thing you said that people here might not like was when he asked you if you could envision radio as a career and you immediately said no. <laughs> and you were like, you know, there's people here who would kill to be on the air and you're basically like shitting on it and saying you don't care. And that wasn't quite what I was saying. But at that point, I still was sort of clinging to the idea. I'm a writer. I'm a writer. You know, as our business keeps changing and evolving, you can't just be one thing anymore. I mean, hell, that's part of why... Part of what I'm doing now is like it's not bad to have radio on my resume, TV on my resume, writing on my resume. You got to be a triple threat, triple threat position, as you know from your basketball coaching days. Uh, so, so anyway, uh, in answer to your first question, was it hard to come here? No, that was easy. It's funny you mentioned that because I remember, I, and I don't know when it turned for you about you know I, I came here as a columnist, and I believe me, I would love to say, hey, John. You're a columnist, disright. You don't even worry about the aggregation. Just you're a columnist. And and you don't have to worry. But if you can do radio, then super. But you're a columnist. And we know about two years ago, there was a pretty big shift here um, where it, it became the, 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 the prioritizing the radio and our world of the website it shifted even more toward the radio. And I think it shifted back a little bit. That'll be fair to say. Yeah. I mean, the, the writing responsibilities, when I first got here, I think the first year, I just basically wrote a bunch of columns, which was great. But then as it goes along and you have, you know, you have to make sure that enough people are reading your site. And a lot of times that means posting this little story or that little story. So that becomes part of the job. But the radio side for a time was like, almost felt like my sole priority. You know, it's like you're doing the weekends, you're doing one or two days a week on the morning, usually one, but occasionally two. Um, you're, I was with Dale and Keith for, you know, six or seven months, something like that. That was at least once or twice a week. And so for a time, that became the priority. And that at least gave me a taste of like, okay, if I wanted to consider radio as a full-time career, I'm getting a much better idea of how that would work. The thing that no one realizes is it takes a toll on your voice. I know we hear it from Callahan and he's had his his bouts with much more serious issues, but even, you know, day to day here sometimes you'll hear him like he'll need time off because of his voice. And just doing like a couple of shows, I think during the Super Bowl I was on every night with Dickerson or or Meter or whoever. And even at the end of one week of just doing four hours a day, so it was only twenty hours of radio in a week, a normal week my voice was fried and so i didn't i did not realize it's, just a, a little, it's just a little thing i did not realize that it because you're just like well i talk all day what's the difference but i guess radio talk is just slightly different that and i have terrible pipes but what are you gonna do very good pipes you're very articulate uh how is the perception how do you feel the perception of john tomasi has changed and you know twitter trolls aside the perception of john tomasi has changed in the time that you've been in this job? I think people used to think of me as a puke, and now I am a liberal puke. I mean, I think probably the, the thing that changed the most at because of the station was just all the morning stuff and being a foil to Callahan. And so, you know, that having beliefs outside of sports, when Obviously, there are Patriots fans who are not fond of me, and that's that's not going to change. That is my that is my cross to bear. I, I made that bed, but for you forget that like my last six years at the Herald, I just covered the Red Sox, and when I was solely a Red Sox guy there, I never really heard 
I hardly heard from anybody because it was just like they most people associate me more with the Red Sox anyway because that's what I did at the Trib and whatever. Uh, so anyway, so then I come here and I go from being just a sports guy to you know liberal punching bag or whatever you want to call me. But like the the politics and the interests outside of the station and my personality probably. Uh, in that regard, became more known. So I think that's the thing that changed the most. And that will be, I won't lie, that will be a little bit of an adjustment when I switch over to TV and I'm just Red Sox. And suddenly, if something happens in the world, like I'm going to be on with Callahan and I'm sure the Mueller report is going to come up, for <laughs> instance. And I have some thoughts on that. But in my new job, they'll, there will not be an outlet for that. So as weird as it sounds, I had sort of grown to like that aspect of it. The pop culture stuff the ability to show some part of your personality beyond just, you know, who you are covering a team. Was there, was there anything that basically made you feel like um, that you wanted to go back just to writing? Like, was there anything that made you feel that you wanted just, I, I just miss writing. I mean, because one of the things I've always said, I don't know if you agree with it or not, all this stuff is fine. Like, I... Do radio and TV, it's all good, but there's nothing like writing a good story. Still, you get that sense of satisfaction that's going to also paint your mood more than anything. I mean, you're going to, with all due respect for your awesome TV hits that are coming up, you're probably not going to be like, I nailed that TV hit. Just, just like when we come, a, I did two hours of the radio on the other day, and like you say, you know, I tried my best, I did my best, and, you know, other than Mike Manansky, I don't know anyone else who comes out pumping their fist and playing air drums saying, we nailed that, right? It, there is that element, but there's more of the, when you write something and you're a pure writer, as you were at the Herald, as you were at time for us, it's just different. Was there ever a time where you're like, eh, I'd just rather do that? Yeah, I mean, there's a part of me that, you know, part of what's appealing about this job is, so where I am now, there's a lot of editing, there's a lot of, you know, stuff behind the scenes that no one would care about at all. Um, but it does take time, you know, whether it's reading somebody else's story, whether it's finding photos, you're putting together slideshows constantly, like, there's a lot of busy work that is not really like what I consider myself good at, you know, so if we're aggregating a story, like if... You know, Brad Stevens says at practice, and we don't have anybody there, that Kyrie's not going to play. Well, somebody's got to take 20 minutes to type out Kyrie Irving's not going to play tonight, blah, blah, blah. And so being able to pull back on that kind of stuff and just do a, a column or a good story or whatever, and yes, there's still going to be a lot of TV around it, so it's not like I'm only focused on that, but there will be fewer... You know, there'll be fewer responsibilities for me th behind the scenes, I guess. So that that would be one thing. And I'm sorry to be leaving you with that because it's still your reality. But you asked me the question, so I'm just being honest. Like, that's some of the stuff that, okay, if I don't have to do that and I have a little more time. And then the other thing is, because of radio responsibilities here, I haven't been at Fenway nearly as much the last couple of years in particular as I had been in the past. And so getting back into the swing... Like, I'll give you an example. When we did Media Day uh, before the World Series last year, and it was like, I, th I went and talked to Pierce about Manny Machado, and he's like, he's the best guy in baseball, and wrote that up, and that got picked up by Yahoo and a bunch of other places, and it was sort of a, and I wrote it, and it turned out totally pointless because he didn't even make the roster, but I wrote a story about Workman being like the, sort of the class clown of the bullpen, and it was something that I don't think people knew 
And just in that one day, I was reminded, like, oh, yeah, this is what I used to do all the time. And this, I'd like to think that I was actually half decent at it. And I, I kind of miss this. I would like to do more of this. So, you know, um, it's, it's on, partly on me that I didn't make the time to do it here. But also, I think my new job, I'm going to have to be at Fenway every day, for instance. So there will be more opportunity to talk to people to get those kind of things. Don't be mad that I didn't do it the last year. <laughs> At least you admitted. First time of addiction is denial. Uh, what do we do better here than other places? I would say, well, first of all, cover the Red Sox. I mean, I thought our Red Sox coverage was as good, and that's mostly you. I'll freely admit I'm on your coattails. But, I mean, but that's a legitimate thing. I don't think anyone covered the Red Sox better than we did from the on-air stuff the fifth inning, the pregame, all of that, the shows, to what you and I did on the beat. I thought we did a better job than anybody, and I stand by that, and I'm proud of that. I agree. <laughs> and, Rob, and Rob agrees. Um, otherwise, I feel like, you know, we we do a good job at the website, I'm going to steal a Bradfoe phrase, of being all things to all people. So we do have, like, I think we're a good spot for... Put it this way, people can come to weei.com, and they do, and they know they're going to get the news, all the news that's relevant on sports. Like, it's not the kind, I think a lot of places, and I think, frankly, the place I'm going now would admit this, like, partly because the name keeps changing. Are they Comcast? Are they, you know, Fox Sports New England? Are they NBC? It's just harder to remember URL. People found us by typing in weei.com, and that's hard to do, like, where you can build enough of a brand that... It's not that they found a story on Twitter and clicked the link and really had no idea where the site was that they were going to, but that they actually typed in weei.com to come. I think that's a credit to what you built here and what I contributed to a little bit for the last four years. I only asked that question because I was feeling a little low. And I felt like I needed someone to build me up. So thank you for that. And also so you could rip the organization you're going to. do you feel bad? Uh, have you talked to Evan Drell? Hey, this is a, this is a pertinent conversation. When you were so, this came about. This new opportunity came about. It came out of the blue. Uh, they approached you, um, and you talked to Evan because this is Evan's old job. And so, tell me a little bit about Evan's reaction to this because this is what this podcast is all about. Evan's reactions to things. Yeah. So, I mean, this is real life unfortunately but the only thing i said was i don't want because i like evan and i thought evan did a great job and wherever wherever evan ends up next and i hope it is somewhere we are both familiar with that has the letters e and e and i and w in it maybe not in that order um with dot com on the end um i you know i respected evan a lot so i didn't want him to hear it through the grapevine from somebody else and the fact of the matter is i didn't like when I heard about what happened to him, it's not like I whipped out a cover letter and like fired it off to NBC or anything. Um, you know, they did come to me, and so I, I would be stupid not to consider it. And Evan, Evan, basically, when I first started talking to him, uh, I think it became pretty clear that he would like to stay in the Boston market and any jobs that were to open up in the Boston market that perhaps related to baseball could. Uh, maybe be helpful to him. So I, I think there was uh, a little bit of, there was some symbiosis going on here. Uh, so anyway, so Evan was great. You know, he told me what he liked and didn't like about the job. And he was honest with me. You know, he was like, these are things I think you should know before you consider something like this. So 
I mean, I hope things I hope things work out for him uh, wherever he should land. Well, I think things uh, will work out for you, John Tomasi. You, uh, we appreciate your time here. <laughs> That's not me choking. That's uh, honestly, I guess it could be me choking up. We appreciate your time here, and the uh, and you know, listen. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that. This is a big hit for us. This is a big hit for us because it, much like when Alex left, it was a big hit. Even though you replaced him, um, there, Alex, there was Alex. This I've said this all along. We would have been out of business within a year if Alex wasn't here. Not if I wasn't here. If Alex Spear wasn't here, because he had that work ethic and the intelligence and everything else. Like their initial plan of you know Tony Maserati sharing the editing duties with me, it wouldn't have worked. It just wouldn't have worked. So when he left, it was like I'm like, oh man, what are we gonna do? And fortunately, we knew that you were gonna be a good fit, or pretty had a pretty good idea. We're gonna be a good fit, and you were a good fit, and you were such a good fit. That's why I'm sad to see you leave right now, and that's the that's the thing that sucks about this. But it's a, it's a good opportunity for you, and um, and you know other another as you point out, this will be a good opportunity for somebody else, whoever it may be. And much like it's been a good opportunity, I feel like not only for Alex, but you know, one of the things that we're proud of is that of instances like this where you are able to go make more money somewhere else. Uh, we are able to send DJ Bean. We are the feeding system for whatever place you're going. Uh, you know, we and we have Ty Anderson got a full-time job and um, Paul Flannery is at SB Nation. And, and you go down the list and this is one of the good things about it. Uh, so, and this is, this makes me happy that your kids will be able to eat a whole lot better now than they were while you were working at WEI.com. Well, let's not go crazy. It wasn't like I was destitute. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I had no complaints at all about how, how I was doing here. But, you know, the, the thing that I like about this place, you mentioned all those names, and now you have Ryan Hannibal, who is an absolute machine on the mm -hmm. Patriots and on everything. And you talk about someone who the website couldn't live without. I'm going to help your... This is called Leverage, Ryan Hannibal. You are the most important person <laughs> at this website. So don't forget that the next time you negotiate a contract. And then somebody like Reamer who comes in who... You know, you and I didn't know what to make of him when he came in because we felt, you know, like I've had this conversation with him, like, oh, is this guy being forced on us a little bit? Like, what is he? We don't know. And he's turned out great. He's obviously very talented on the radio. He's a prolific writer uh, and he has a clear future at this place. So the idea is you come to EEI.com and bigger and better things happen. And in closing, I would like my outro music to be one shining moment. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.